Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a well-being experience, the fall edition for 2021. And we're kicking it off with Annette Atkin. I'm so excited to have you here. Annette, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Thanks, Shauna. Great. So Annette has a company called Pure Insights Counseling, and she uh, has been a clinical counselor with 30 years experience. She started out in youth and family counseling, addictions, and for the past 16 years, Annette has had a private practice called Insights Counseling in Lower Mission. She works with adults, youth, families, and couples. Today, Annette is going to talk more about trauma responses versus activating our wise brain, self-esteem, understanding early attachment and how this impacts conflict, connection, and where we put our energy. I will uh, put her um, website on the Facebook Live here so you can track her down. And today, Annette is giving away a 50-minute counseling session. So make sure you've registered so you can be in the draw for that because that is phenomenal. I've heard nothing but amazing feedback from the people that see Annette. And she runs a thriving practice. And uh, yeah, so I'm so thrilled to pass it over to Annette to kick this event off. And I will be back later. Great. Thanks, Shauna. Thanks, Shauna. Hey, guys. Um, again, my name's Annette, and um, I thought I'd just, you know, give you a little background on uh, my counseling sort of experience. It started off in child and youth care counseling, and then that led to um, being involved in a program called Changes, which is an addictions program for 10 years. And like Shauna said, I've been in private practice for 16 years. And so when we, when I talk about my private practice, I talk, you know, I've been in the rooms with people for a long time. Like, you know, when you listen to stories and you can see some of, some of the stuff that happens, I guess some of the highlights that I want to kind of have people take away today is I want to talk a little bit about relationships, you know, now relationships go from harmonious to not harmonious to repair. And some of us didn't learn repair from our childhood, right? So, you know, when I was talking about trauma responses, you know, in our trauma brain, it's a, it's a different circuit in our brain. It goes into fight, flight, freeze, fall over or fix. Um, that's one part, the we part of our brain um, that's, you know, fueled from our gut flora and, you know, sort of using your right and left hand side of your body. We want to kind of regulate that so that we can create safety. So safety in the we brain says I can hold space for your feelings and my feelings. I can be accountable. I can say I'm sorry. I can listen to what you need and how you feel and vice versa, you can do the same for me. And that comes from a really regulated place. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about what I do in counseling and then how we get to talking about self-esteem and boundaries and you know, emotional honesty and you know, talking about values because those are part of what keep couples together over time. And I'm not coming from that expert place because I've had my own experiences that haven't been easy. And I've learned a lot. So um, when couples come to see me, because I'll start with couples, because that's a direct relationship, is in the real world, we can connect and do fine in other situations. But our biggest stuff shows up in our intimate relationships and also in our parent-child relationships. Whatever we learned in terms of our programming from our past has a big impact on that. So when I look at um, childhood, when I have a couple come to me, I'll meet with the husband alone and the wife alone. 
unless you know they really request to be part of that um, and they both agree to it then i'll have them both in the room and one will be the focus for the first session and then somebody the second session but in that process we're going to go over attachment needs so 75 percent of a person's emotional map happens between zero and six years old and then our brains fully develop when we're about 25 and then we go into life with some patterns um, so when we go into life with patterns we can see what it was the download from zero to six and so i'm going to be looking at like how was i corrected when i was a kid and not during teen years because we kind of pay for whatever happened zero to six in teen years um, teen years is a different developmental stage or kind of egocentric it's all about me and um, and we you know they have more emotions because they're you know their brain is like just like that in teen years so it's a little harder to parent um, but especially if our child had some early trauma or there's some stuff that's going on and when I talk about trauma if our parents had trauma it can run in generations. It's in our body system. Let's say our nervous system revs at a higher speed. So again, those attachment needs that I'm looking at is how was I corrected when I was a kid? Um, love, hugs and kisses and telling me I'm loved. People say, well, I felt love, but my parents didn't say that. But it's important to use the words, get warm hugs. Um, were they there? So did my parents divorce under the age of six? Did I have a parent that worked out of town? Um, if so, I would overattach to one parent. The other key one is being known. So could we be vulnerable? Could we talk about our feelings, right? Could we be known and, and more sort of direct about feelings? So could I say to my dad, hey, that really hurt my feelings? Or could I say that to my mom? Or was I protecting their feelings? Or that's just not something we did in our family. Another one is feeling significant and important. So was someone attuned, like were they like paying attention to what I like and were they sort of feeling that, you know? And the final one is sameness. We get a download of our family history. So um, say my dad came from an alcoholic family. Well, in a family where someone's drinking four or more times a week or involved in an addictive processing, they're looking to esteem themselves from something outside of themselves. So we'll talk about that, but there's seven main addictions, food, sex, drugs, alcohol, technology, money and work, and unhealthy relationship patterns. So am I trying to get my esteem from that? I've been addicted to turning away. I haven't learned to turn toward feelings or to talk about feelings openly. And if that's the case, we are going to have a hard time repairing things. Now, if both people had a lack of repair and that's just not familiar to them and they're okay with that, a lot of people can just kind of go through life. Um, and other people, they, they, you're, we're meant to grow. We really are meant to grow. And if we hold too much in, my big thing is we are, something's going to happen, whether it's a health issue, um, whatever that is. So we're looking at sort of those attachment needs. Um, so the alcoholic family would be like, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. People didn't learn to tolerate feelings, to be able to come back to the table from a gentle startup and find a way to repair. 
So when I talk about that, this is an interesting thing for people to know, because this is so important. Um, when we've had that sort of download where we weren't able to repair very well, what happens is we look at our parents. What did their relationship look like? And I look at sort of four quadrants. Now, this is training that I've had that I find really helpful. So people will either go up to grandiose in their self-esteem or down into shame and feeling inferior. On the spectrum of boundaries, people will either go walled off or they'll go too porous and sensitive. And so on either one of those spectrums, we kind of take a look at the different boxes. So let's see the top right hand is a person that goes to grandiose, but yet they're walled off. So in that person, we might see more like passive aggressive behavior, kind of contempt, cut off when they're upset. And those people have to actually learn to get off their high horse. Like they're, they're kind of like righteous in that, but they're not having good boundaries. They're not, they're walled off. So they're, they're really protected, but they're not connected enough. So they don't go back to say, hey, like when you said that, that really hurt me, you know, and we need to talk about it more because I need to figure out what you're thinking and what I'm thinking. So it's like, we also tell ourselves stories about our partners. So they kind of get kind of too rigid sometimes. It's like, you know, I'm telling myself that, you know, my partner's never there for me. So if that's the case, when I see someone not being there for me, I go to a wall off position if that's what I learned in my family, right? Another person might go down into inferior and walled off. So those people feel hopeless and worthless in the face of these things and they're hurting, they go down into not feeling good enough. So they're well protected but they're not feeling good. They're low in that sort of spectrum around self-esteem. Those people need to get up and keep trying. They often need more encouragement, more belief in them. You know, they may have been overly corrected as a kid and they just kind of go down. Sometimes what I'll see is, you know, in a relationship when someone's critical because they're upset with that person and the other person goes down sometimes they'll go up to grandiose because it's like screw this I never want to feel that way again okay so on those two sides we talked about passive aggressive hopelessness on the other side is people that are more love dependent they um they're the one up position would be grandiose they feel like um angry right those people need to get a hold of themselves. They have to calm their nervous system down to come back to the table. They're hurt about things, but you know they may have tried to talk about things, but maybe they're with a walled off partner. Well, those people, when you're grandiose and walled off, we've got an issue, right? One's walling off, the other one feels abandoned, maybe the same way they felt when they were a kid. So they scratch more. The more they scratch, the more the other person walls off and doesn't set boundaries around it and gets kind of passive aggressive, feeling like, you know, screw you, you're mean. Um, where being walled off and one off, one up is mean. It's not kind. Okay. It's kind of stonewalling and it cuts people off. You know, now an angry person, they're connected, but they're too intrusive. They haven't got very good verbal boundaries. Time to reel that in. Now we go down into the inferior position too with people pleasing. Some people, they just don't want any conflict. They always want to make it better. And that's that part of our brain that's fix it. They always want things to be better. They could be in the face of something awful and they just are still trying their best. Um, and those people need to grow boundaries. 
they need to have better boundaries. So people all see like so many like women in these people pleasing positions, but, and they'll say, well, you know, this is happening to me. This is how they're behaving. But at the same time, they also need to learn to have boundaries and boundaries um, are sacred. They're important. And, and boundaries are not rigid and getting angry, but they're also not no boundaries or weak boundaries. Well, I tell him or I tell her all the time, that's a weak boundary. Uh, clear, firm, kind boundary is I express my boundary. When it's disrespected, there's consequences to that. Might be that, you know, like might be something small. We might be arguing over chores. And we agreed that chores look a certain way. And then someone doesn't do their chore. Well, the person that's in that people pleasing, they probably would just do the chore. They would just kind of get it done, but they don't leave it with a consequence. Consequence is this is your chore, not mine, right? And so you are responsible for your part of the relationship. Relationships are supposed to be, you know, more fair to some degree. But realistically, life isn't fair. So you know that sometimes things aren't going to be fair. And we might give, we might be a bit more malleable around that. So we talk about, you know, when we've had a lot of trauma, we're too rigid and black and white versus being more malleable and, you know, putting someone else's feelings ahead of ours sometimes. That's okay. As long as we're not doing that all the time. We're not always overly compassionate, overly giving, because sometimes what happens is then somebody can be overly taking and a taking of energy versus a providing of energy, right? And so energy is really important when we talk about relationships. So when I meet with couples, I'll do this work separately. So we'll take a look at what did your dad and mom do in their relationship? Um, you know, what happened during that zero to six stage then I'm going to look at school too, like how did they do academically and socially. I'll look at teen years and anything that stands out in that family system um, in terms of um, relationship and all that kind of stuff. Like how are mom and dad doing? Did anybody have addictions? What did you notice about repair in your family? The other thing we talk about is parenting. Now, when you talk about parenting, kids need limits nurturing and love and guidance okay so when we hammer right we're not teaching that sort of guiding them to their next spot now obviously we're not perfect people we're trying our very best sometimes you're going to go like that's enough that's kind of a limit right um, a limit's going to be a limit and then if it's not respected there's a consequence to that right and then we break down problems it's not like you know two kids in the school ground they both want the same ball. It's not like somebody punches one kid and takes the ball. It's like we have to negotiate. Okay, maybe you get the ball today, I get it tomorrow, or maybe you get it for 15 minutes, I get it for 15 minutes. We try and teach our children um, how to work through stuff, especially when they make mistakes, because that's what they do. So that's how they learn and how they become, you know, adults. So when we look at that in relationship, it's kind of like, um, you know, what, what are our values? You know, what, what are we doing in regards to like boundaries and connection and emotional honesty? And how are we doing around accountability to be able to own what we do? So the helpful thing for me is when couples know their program. So I put them in the room, they got the program, they, you know, know what they do in the face of that, they can see where they need to grow. So say I've got like a one up husband he's in sort of a walled off one-up position 
he's pissed off, but he's not really communicating anything. He's just making his partner wrong. Um, that particular person needs to understand that. They, they, so I can, I can write reference to that. Like, this is what I'm seeing, you know, or if somebody's going into grandiose, I've got two couples both into like one up positions. It's like, whoa, we're not going to get anywhere. Like, I'm not going to do what you guys do at home that isn't working, isn't going to come in my office. So as therapists, sometimes therapists think that you have to be very neutral. I don't think that way so much, right? Some of my own training has allowed me the opportunity to say, you know what? Um, sometimes I'm not neutral. Sometimes I'm going to call somebody on their stuff, but I'm going to do it in a loving way because you know what? We all have a program based on our past. We're not doing it on purpose. We're just doing it based on what we learned, right? And when we're in our trauma brain, um, it's hard to get off that track. It's kind of selfish. It just wants to be understood. It just wants somebody to get it. Whereas my we brain is different. It can sort of be accountable. It can put the energy back into me. So another thing I note is because I have worked in addictions for many years, if I have a couple come in and say a partner smoking pot four or more times a week, um, they're drinking, I'll say, you know what, we can't do couple counseling yet. And they're like, well, why in that? And I'm like, well, because you're not available to your own feelings yet. So we need to do some individual work for a bit to kind of get into developing a healthier lifestyle, um, healthier choices, so that you can feel your own feelings, so that you can actually address what's going on in your relationship, right? So I'll use an example of smoking pot because everybody's like, oh, that pot's great you know, because of all the like legalization and stuff. But of course, in my office, I'm not seeing it so great. Um, so with smoking weed, let's say I'm addicted to turning away. So I can just go smoke a joint and stop caring, really, try to slow my brain down, because I probably had some trauma or we didn't talk about feelings in my family. So it's a good way to just relax my brain, right? But what happens in that is we all have some anxiety, right? We all have anxiety. It goes up when I feel like I can't cope with the situation or it goes up when I feel like, uh oh, danger, right? But if I have some anxiety, anxiety is important. It fuels us to take charge of something. It tells us, you know what, there's a problem here. This isn't working for me, right? So if there's a problem here, I wanna get more compassionately curious with that, without judgment, just being able to, okay, okay, what's going on? Like, what do I need? How am I feeling, right? So if someone's addicted to turning away, um, they're not really getting in touch with their feelings. And they're kind of shutting down that take charge energy, which we need, right? But maybe in their family of origin, take charge meant like awful. People got too angry. So, you know, so it's like, ooh, anger's bad. Anger's not bad. Anger tells you that there's something not working for me. There's something, a need not getting met. There's something that I'm sad about. Um, anger is just a secondary feeling to what's going on underneath. So if anger led to like violence in families or if anger led to people being cut off, then who wants to do any of that anger? That's scary, right? But if my anger led to me being more compassionately curious to kind of be gentle and to be able to figure out what it is that's happening, I'm going to go regulate my brain for a bit. I'm going to come back to the table and talk about it. Right. But you have to have two partners that are willing to do that to develop some safety. 
But if that gave them bad results or they didn't, they weren't known in that early attachment, then they don't do that. They just kind of pretend everything's fine or shut down. And, and then that causes a lot of issues in relationships and then come see me. So in terms of, um, of the whole thing around um, counseling is that I really believe that um, people, you know, all need counseling. We all have a program. We all have stories. We don't always talk about them. People, you know, on the outside, we, you know, don't always share what's going on in the inside. But I can say right now that um, with all sort of the things that are happening in the world, people that weren't coping well before, it's even harder now because now it's like ranking things up where we have to kind of take a look at this because we're not able to resource ourselves very well. So when people have trauma, you know, um, they'll look to go like to addictions or something to resource themselves. Well, that's not resourcing. So resourcing is, you know, in those sort of circle of life, it's like, how am I doing in terms of holding my power, recognizing my strengths, either that or I might go into destruct self-destructiveness or into manipulating or all kinds of other stuff. How am I doing around making a conscious choice in this moment? Or do I feel like a victim all the time? You know, in, in life, we're kind of looking at, you know, I'm always feeling like a victim, victim to that person, victim to that person. But, you know, when we make a conscious choice, it's different than feeling like a victim. I can take charge. I get choices. I don't have to feel frustrated all the time. I can make choices for myself. Um, the other piece of that is the, you know, in that circle is we need to have daily practices of life structure. So I always say the opposite of addiction is structure. We need to be able to have healthy food practices. And this is another thing that people don't understand, but with addiction or with any trauma, um, we actually need to fuel our gut flora. Our gut flora is related to the frontal wee part of our brain. So if somebody's eating a lot of sugar and processed foods or drinking, their blood sugar levels are off. That fuels your trauma brain. Your trauma brain gets um, stronger. So if my trauma brain is stronger, that's not really the brain that we want that comes to repair and healing and growing. And so again, what is that daily practice around exercise too? Regulating your brain. So I'll often say to people, you know, when you're out and about or whatever, when you use your right and left hands out of your body, whether you're biking or running or playing racquetball or whatever you're doing, um, those things fuel your brain. They, the dopamine and serotonin levels go up, right? So um, gentle yoga is another great practice in terms of calming our central nervous system down and getting into our bodies. So when I talk about trauma, I talk about issues in the tissues. You can't work it out sometimes in your head. You can to some degree and you need to express yourself, but we also need to be working that body system, right? So sometimes you'll see people and they work out a lot, a lot, a lot, right? And they're probably just really good at resourcing their body system. It's one of the things that they do to make themselves feel better. But we can also get used to doing that and not coming to the table and learning to communicate and to, to kind of come in with our sense of self. So again, when Shauna was talking about me looking at attachment needs from childhood, we're gonna take a look at like, I want, I'll usually do Dr. Diane Poole's attachment quiz. 
And so we'll just ask you some questions about relationships and we'll find out whether or not you have some secure attachment, avoidant attachment, ambivalent anxious attachment or disorganized attachment. Now we're never one of you know, all of those. Sometimes we'll have a little bit of everything. But let's say I have someone that's got a lot of ambivalent anxious attachment. Um, it just means in their childhood, they had to really be aware of what everybody else needed and they felt abandoned to some degree. Um, they got their needs met sometimes, but um, they tend to lose themselves in a relationship, okay? Um, the avoidant attachment means that we didn't talk about feelings in our family. There may have been some secure attachment in terms of having people there for us every day and they loved us and were, for, were good, you know, good kind people. We can come from a good family and have patterns, right? So in that sense, the avoidant attachment is kind of like the latchkey kid. Sorry, I'm drinking a coffee. Mm. So the latchkey kid is a person that wasn't getting enough guidance and wasn't getting enough attachment needs. So they go into relationship and they, they're usually the walled off one. They're the ones that I'm on my own. Like their way of adapting as a kid is they just had to carry on. They didn't have anybody helping with that nurturing and love and guidance and limits, right? So again, if that's the case, they go into a relationship and they're walled off. And so let's say, you know, the, the, the hardest combination is somebody that has some ambivalent anxious attachment someone has a walled off avoidant attachment because the ambivalent anxious attachment is always going to feel like they're being abandoned, right? And the avoidant attachment, the more somebody scratches at them, the more they avoid. So, um, and then there's disorganized attachment. That's when our parents were kind of scary. You know, maybe dad came home drunk and smashed a glass on the table. And maybe we had like scary things where we watch violence in our family those disorganized attachment when someone comes to my practice and has had like a huge amount of trauma, we're just going to kind of go over the story and I'm going to try and teach them resourcing like box breathing and calming their nervous system down because sometimes they're just flushed with emotion. And, you know, some of that, even if they were really little, may have been pre-verbal is that they don't have the verbal skills or the ability to kind of access that part of them. Right. Um, I've learned lots of great tools, right, in terms of trying to calm our body system, to talk about the story, to organize what happened. So disorganized attachment means we need to organize that story. We need to find out what happened to you and why you behave the way you do in this relationship now. Right. And so if I don't have that repaired, um, a person may even have some really scary behaviors. Right because that's what they learned and they haven't processed that. So they act it out. We tend to kind of mimic some of the things. We hope that sometimes from our childhood, if we had a broken heart um, around something, we may do the direct opposite, right? So let's say we were abused as a kid and we just never wanted that. We love our kids, we do everything for our kids, but sometimes that direct opposite also can be too enmeshed too much, too intrusive, too overwhelming for a kid. Like, yeah, I know you love me, but wow. Like, I feel like you overwhelm me with love and I actually need my own sense of independence. So it's like, how do we find balance? Cause that is part of what we need to learn in life to be moderate. Um, and you know what, it's really, you know we don't have to be perfect. 
But the more scale, like the more information we have, the more knowledge you have, the more ability in your daily practice of life, the more you can heal. So, and when I say daily practice, that's also for some people, spiritual practices, having fun. Like we need to have fun in life. Like we're, you know, if we had hard things happen, we forget to like focus on the good. Our brains are always going to, where is it unsafe? Where am I going to get hurt? Where am I going to get abandoned? Well, if I can resource myself and know that I can hold myself in warm regard, even though I have strengths and weaknesses, you know, how can I hold myself in warm regard to know that I'm loved and valued? And how does that help me in terms of coming to the table and being able to listen to maybe some stuff that I need to hear, right? Maybe I suck at this, you know, and I can know that's my weakness. So if that's my weakness, how can I be aware of that when I come to the table? Because the way I adapted as a kid is often maladaptive in a relationship. So remember that the more I adapted, so let's say my pleasing behavior, I had to be a good girl and get everything right. That behavior is maladaptive now. Now I'm needing more boundaries. I need to be more compassionate toward myself, more gentle towards myself, communicate more of what I need. Right. But if I had to adapt that way, you can see like, wow, like they just need to understand. They just need to be um, understand what I need. They're just not this and that. Well, you have to communicate what you need. You have to talk about, hey, this doesn't work for me. This does. You know, if you've got someone willing to come to the table to do that, then you know what? That person is probably a good person to be in relationship with. Or if one person's, you know, we're ready to go to some counseling and understand both of our programs so that we can heal better together because one thing I'll tell you for sure is that if we don't grow and heal life will give us wake-up calls hard stuff will happen it's trying to wake me up it's trying to tell me hey this is not the way that I need to be living my life I need to be you know shifting this but if I don't know that then I'm just going to kind of go into these patterns and um, I'm not going to know the difference of how to kind of get there or I'm going to get hard lessons. So I always say, you know, it's helpful to go to counseling. I know that it's uncomfortable, especially for men, because men, you know, don't have the same opportunities to talk about feelings. Um, Guys don't often talk about feelings with each other, maybe when they're drinking or maybe if they've had a best friend for a really long time. But um, but they have feelings, too, and they need opportunities to grow and learn. And um, sports is always helpful for both sexes. But um, I think um, men need to come to counseling um, and learn some of this stuff, because if not, like women have like three emotional centers in their brain, like we give birth to babies. So our brains are set up differently than men. Right. And so we need to understand how to come to the table I always say, you know, that man energy versus wounded boy energy. Wounded boy is going to run away. He's going to get really angry. He's going to go to all these bad behaviors, whether it's, you know, um, some kind of addiction behaviors, right? Food, sex, drugs, alcohol, this behavior. He could truly love his partner and go into bad behaviors, right? So if I'm like addicted to turning away, then a man stands behind his values. You know, if I love my wife, we need to figure this out, right? Um, If I love my children, I brought these, help bring these children into the world. 
I have an impact on their mental health and their emotions. Um, I have to learn and grow too, right? Especially if I wasn't parented well. Let's say, you know, I was abandoned in childhood. Well, we don't want that same program. Our kids need us. Even if we're not perfect, they need us. So it's like, how do they, how do I show up in a way that's going to be helpful, that's going to help them grow? So again, it's like, this is important stuff to kind of move forward with um, in terms of knowing more skills, more abilities to have real conversations um, and move in a direction that's going to sort of help everybody. So um, so again, okay, so in terms of all of this, I'm hoping that there are some pieces of that today that were helpful. Um, and in my private practice, I do work, initially I was working with youth and families, um, and I was also doing sort of addictions for 10 years. And now um, for the last 16 years, I've been doing lots of work with couples and families and individuals. So people say, you know, what do you do? Um, I kind of do a lot of this stuff, right? Um, but what we mostly want to do is figure out what happened to our, in our childhood. What are the strengths? What are the areas of growth? And how do I get to my next better step in my daily practice of life? We can't expect ourselves to be at a 10. Our job is to kind of just be conscious, more conscious. And if I'm conscious and I do know the choices I can make that can make a difference, then the small choice today takes my life in a certain direction. Now, if I do my program and I keep doing what was done to me, that takes my life in a certain direction too. So if I really want things to shift, I have to have daily practices that sort of get more conscious and how we get more conscious is by, you know, working our bodies, paying attention to how I feel, not numbed out. So if I'm numbed out and I'm smoking pot or drinking at the end of the day, I'm disconnecting, right? So yeah, we can go along like that. We've got two disconnected partners. Right. And that may go along fine for them. But maybe when their kid hits teen years, all of a sudden there's a substance abuse issue. And we're wondering what happened. Like we've been good parents together, you know, but our kids have been watching because you remember they learn through sameness. So they watch our patterns. So it's like, well, why does my kid wall off so much? Well, what parent walls off? Right. Or why is my kid getting so angry? Well, how do I behave when I'm really triggered? You know, and so how do we all calm ourselves down or get off our high horse or get into that sort of not just people pleasing but communicating what it is that I need and having boundaries um, that are more firm and clear with consequences I'm not enabling situations to stay the same right now when I say you know all couples should stay together for a lifetime I don't believe that I believe that we you know we hopefully can you know maintain a long-term relationship but if someone's toxic in a relationship and they're not willing to come to the table and that other person's had boundaries got some help looked at everything they can look at then that relationship is probably meant to go maybe they're learning that person that's let go of needs to wake up and learn their own lessons through loss you know because we change when things are painful you know we don't change when things are good they're good. We don't really want to change. Um, but we change when things get riled up and we're hurting and our needs aren't getting met. Um, and, you know, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. So we're all going to have some of this stuff. 
Um, but you know, if I think it's helpful when to, when couples are willing to come in and look at their stuff. And I know um, lots of counseling sessions are all about, well, how do you feel? And couples fight and they have a counselor kind of mediate and stuff. And that's all fine, Danny. But I actually don't think it's always that helpful. I think it's helpful to learn what your pattern is, to have the knowledge so then I can kind of bring you right back to, hey, this is what I'm noticing, right? I'm noticing that you guys are going to a grandiose position and then you're going to that one down position. And I'm concerned about that. That isn't bringing any safety for either one of you, right? And I can bring them back to their learning. Whereas other people might intervene and, you know, try and do this stuff and then couples get more frustrated. And, um, and so, yeah, we don't want to repeat what's happening at home. We want to find a safe place and a person that understands our pattern so that we can actually resolve some of these things and, and get to a better place. So I feel really um, grateful and I love what I do. So when I see people healing and growing and couples coming in my office just to highlight the good things that are going on, I feel really lucky. Like that's not just a me giving energy, that's a getting me energy as well because I feel like nice, like they've been able to find each other and find that, you know, their behaviors are really related to their family of origin and, and that they don't have to own that. They can know that they're good people and that we can hold ourselves in that warm regard and know that, oh, this is just my pattern. And we're in that demon dialogue and we get out now and that we're not stuck in that hole. Before we're stuck in the hole, we don't know how to get out. So I always talk about the sidewalk, you know, it's like we're falling into the hole. Jesus, we're in this hole. We don't know how to get out. Then we eventually learn a little bit of skills to get out and then we go down our path and oh crap we're in the hole again um, and eventually we learn to walk around the hole we might fall into the hole but we don't stay in the hole as long and we get some results when we get out of the hole um, and as we do that we build a little bit more confidence a little bit more ability to feel like oh well, you know this works like you know, people are coming because they're hurting, but they don't necessarily want to leave each other. Well, I see couples that divorce or separate and then they get back together again and then they separate again. Um, it, they're trying so hard to try and repair, but they're coming at it from the wrong direction. They just don't know how to do it, but they know that they still care about that person or they know they don't want to lose that person. Right. So we we want that to happen. We want actually people we pick people for a reason. We're attracted to them. Right. Um, our bodies go zing like I can feel that energy, but they also have the capacity to wound me, to wound me in the areas that are meant to activate more of who I am. And so when we see, you know, either a kid acting out in a family or a dad and mom's relationship going astray, we know that there's some wake up calls that need to happen, right? So when I see a kid acting out in a family, like the scapegoat and everybody's focusing, focusing on a kid that's acting out, I'm gonna come back to the parents relationship and how are you guys doing? Um, and how are you doing in terms of being a united front and talking about your own feelings and then engaging your kid um, uh, rather than them, you know, going into these bad behaviors, I'm gonna help that kid try and, you know, get in his family system with more connection, more gentle steps, um, not expectations that are a 10, but for today, you know, how do we get to a next better step? 
How do we approach these situations? Because when we're not talking about this stuff, what happens is um, it's difficult. It's difficult for you know kids and it's difficult for families because they love each other. They just don't know how to get to that next better place. So hopefully in all these things that I've shared with you today that you guys feel like there's some takeaways. Um, I'm not sure how Shauna, how long Shauna wanted me to talk today, but hi Shauna. Um, hopefully Hello. that was helpful. That was so, wonderful. I'm glad. Yeah. So hopefully Thank you. Was, you're welcome. You're welcome. I've been blessed to hear you speak many times. Every time I hear you speak, I always take away new things and Thanks, it's Shauna. awesome. That's, I, I'm really grateful to hear that because I really like people to take little pieces away. I know there's a lot of information there, but sometimes it might take that sort of one thing mm -hmm. that they put in their little um, bag of tools yes. that they get that help them move forward too, because, you know, we all have room to grow. I really liked your examples of couples and the different uh, personality types or how they interact with each other. I thought that was nice. awesome. Nice. Yeah, I love that too. I think it's a big piece for couple work. I yes. never ever not do that because then we can know what our box is mm -hmm. and how I behave when I'm triggered, right? Mm -hmm. And then what I need to learn how to do. And it's very clear, right? So when they're in their pattern, I can stop both of them and say, hey, let's look at our learning. What are we noticing here? And so that helps to have that extra, so I don't have to be the, <laughs> the person they can reel themselves in and realize what they need to do. So thank you for that. I'm glad that that sort of stood out for you because I think it's, it's helpful information. I also thought it was great that everybody needs counseling because we're all locked into patterns because I think people feel they're ashamed to reach out for help because people feel like they should be able to manage it on their own or if there's something wrong with them and they can't. Yeah, I know. And people have this story about counseling. Like when they say, oh, you're a counselor, you, you must work with a lot of really messed up people. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, no, not at all. Uh, my neighbors, like my neighbors are like, can I, and I'm really sorry, guys, you're my friend, so I can't meet with you. And they're like, well, can you just give me a little bit of information about this? And then I'm like, sure. Um, but, but I can't sort of work with people. But I'm, what I guess what I'm saying is that we all need counseling. Absolutely. We all need to understand what those patterns are. And so when people say, oh, you have these, I don't have messed up people. I have human beings that are all in that spectrum of life mm -hmm. and they're all trying to get to their next better step and they're hurting when they come to see me. And hopefully when they leave, they're not hurting as much. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Thank you for sharing. And uh, Annette's uh, website's attached to these presentations. And I'm sure you can reach out to her and get her contact her. And I highly recommend yeah. her. Like I said, I often send people her way because I just think she's awesome. Thank you, Shauna. Okay, you guys. See you later. Have a good okay, weekend. Bye. bye. You too. Bye.